T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. This podcast is sponsored by Freedom Mortgage, dedicated to veterans and your homeownership needs. Visit freedommortgage.com forward slash CBS Vets, NMLS 2767, Equal Housing Lender. You served your country. Now your military career is over and it's time to find a new path. But how do you find that path? Where can you go to get help? How have other veterans found professional success and happiness? Those are questions all veterans have. I know I did. I'm Jake Hughes, U.S. Army veteran. I'm Eric Dane, U.S. Navy veteran. And this is ConnectingVets.com's Deployment to Employment. A program dedicated to shining a spotlight on career resources for and success stories of the veteran community. Welcome to another episode of Deployment to Employment. I'm Phil Briggs, sitting here with our Get Help editor and reporter, Kayla Jackson. How are you, Kayla? I'm doing well. Thank you, Phil. Now, talk to me about what we're getting ready to do with this interview. So we're talking to Mark from Bright Farms. He's one of their head growers. This is a really cool agricultural program. They have some interesting technology that allows them to grow lettuce and other produce products um, in the United States year-round. And they're starting this new veteran apprenticeship program that is able to help transitioning vets come into the civilian side by using agriculture as a new skill and hobby for them to acquire. Wow. You can grow lettuce year-round in America. Yep, it is possible. I love it. (laughs) My name is Mark Benoit. I'm a head grower at Bright Farms Capital Greenhouse in Elkwood, Virginia. Well, as we were just saying, Kayla and I, before we got on the microphone, uh, it's interesting. You guys are at giant grocery stores, which are in our neck of the woods, and uh, we've both had your products before. So uh, (laughs) thank you for, you know, the salad before dinner the other week. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you for inviting me into your home. (laughs) Outstanding. Kayla, take it away, because I'm dying to know how veterans can be involved and can pursue a career in agriculture, of all things. Exactly. So uh, learning about your story a little bit, the background was super interesting. Never thought of kind of agriculture um, as an enterprise, a hobby. Can you kind of tell me, first off, a little bit of your military background, your experience, your job, and then we can kind of move forward to how how you got involved with Bright Farms. Sure. Um, I joined the Army uh, as an infantryman. Um, Originally, I joined the Army National Guard in New York State, um, and I had the opportunity to go overseas active duty at the time, and that's when I deployed to Afghanistan. Um, How I ended up with Brighton Farms from there is is kind of a longer story. Um, I had done three years straight in Afghanistan. Um, two years was as a private contractor after I finished my first tour with the army. Um, and I was there as an embedded, uh, with an embedded training team, mentoring the Afghan national police and the Afghan army to be better soldiers. Um, after about three years, I started to get a a little burnt out of being there. I tell people, you know, year one, 
you're wrapped up in the flag, you're excited to go. Uh, it's like being called the postman, but never having delivered mail to anybody's house. Um, you want to be an infantry soldier, and you want to go do your job. Um, when I came back here, too, it was less about being wrapped up in the flag and more about uh, justice. And there's still bad guys there. We still have men on the grounds. Uh, even though my, my job template changed as a private contractor, there was still some sense of, of wanting to finish it. And it's really difficult, too, with socio and geopolitical climate at the time. It's not something, you know, you can finish yourself, but there's still that sense of, of wanting to seek an end to it. And, you know, year two is pretty difficult for me. Um, I lost a lot of friends, both year one and two. Um, and year three came around, and if year two is about justice, uh, I don't know what year three was about. Um, it was just the way of life at that point in time and what I was doing, and I got really burnt out to doing it. Um, and that's kind of how I found agriculture. Is it something about agriculture? Like, what is it about that, that, that kind of spoke to you? Is it the fact that it's cathartic? It was interesting. I remember at the end of my third year in Afghanistan, uh, we were working on a USAID project, and it was to build a 100-kilometer-long road that connected commerce centers uh, in the area through a mountain range in the eastern part of the uh, country. And... Part of my job was to go out and secure uh, an area of land where engineers would be working uh, and laborers and building this road kilometer by kilometer. So I was digging a machine gun pit at the top of a hill with a contingency of Afghan security that we would uh, recruit, train, and equip to go out with us. And I remember it being really hot, having all of my full battle rattle on, sweating, and uh, I gave the pickaxe off to some of my Afghan counterparts so he could dig for a while, and I pulled out the binoculars to look around and just get a scout of the area. And I noticed an individual down by the road uh, a little removed, digging with a pickaxe like we were at the top of this hill. So your gut drops. The first thing you're thinking is, I'm probably going to have to shoot this guy at some point. And I mean, as unfortunate as that is, you, people tend to dig because they want to place roadside bombs. Um, yeah, yeah. And I, I couldn't live with myself if I let that happen. So upon watching this guy all day, waiting to get some sort of positive ID that he was indeed a bad guy, something just didn't seem right about what he was doing and his patterns. And the more and more I watched him, the more and more I realized I didn't think he was putting a roadside bomb in. Uh, he actually made his way over to this small gate uh, after he was done digging and opened it up. And I watched this rush of water flow down this uh, irrigation ditch he was digging. And it filled into this terraced uh, landscape 
where his crops were growing and killed all the furrows with water. And this guy was just irrigating his crops. And I think that's what really hit me that I was pretty burnt out. I'm going to get the career change. Uh, and agriculture was something I never thought about doing. So I went back to my project manager and told him that, you know, I wanted to go home. I fulfilled all my obligations for my contract. And I was on a plane from our fire base to Kabul, Kabul to Dubai, Dubai to JFK. From JFK, I took the train to Rensselaer train station, got a cab to my mother's to Albany, I got in my car, and I drove to college the next day. Amazing. And I went to school for agriculture. Oh, my goodness. That immediate feeling that you're talking about, the journey from leaving, you're overseas, you're coming back home, um, stepping foot on a college campus and being able to, to be super confident in your interest in agriculture. What was that What was that feeling and experience like? It blew my mind. <laughs> um, I really realized that I should have paid more attention in high school. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the thing that really saved me and in the sense that my transition from being in a combat zone literally three days ago to being in an institution for higher learning um, was how rigorous and challenging it was for the course load because you really take for granted as a high school student who knows he wants to go into the military, uh, maybe photosynthesis doesn't matter too much. But then coming back to school, they expect that the base expectation for knowledge is there. So I spent a lot of my free time going through YouTube videos and Wikipedia and textbooks from the library, getting the foundation for the higher topics we were discussing in class. And it really completely consumed me um, day in and day out. I didn't have time to think about Afghanistan at all. And that wasn't the case with a lot of my friends that came back home. That's awesome because you kept your mind so full and so fueled and so uh, channeled that, that there wasn't time, you're right, for any of the other things to kind of uh, swim in there and uh, you know create negative friction in your brain space, so to speak. You were, you were focused and consumed <laughs> by trying to catch up on what everybody else learned in 12th grade because it had been a while for you. That's awesome. Absolutely. And, and another um, aspect of, of coming to college older and, and especially taking a degree field, having come from a city, it was challenging not knowing the difference between a cow and a heifer when they're going to school with kids that are going to inherit $12 million dairy operations when they go home um, when they finish school. So I had to kind of brush up on my overall ag knowledge just so I could carry conversations with people at school. And I think the, the most challenging aspect at times was having to listen to the problems of a college student. I found it very difficult to be compassionate and care about somebody's complaints that they had to study for eight hours or they had a test tomorrow or they haven't started on a project yet. When my only comparison was, hey, I'm above ground, my friends, 
know, next to me aren't getting shot and killed and I'm not getting blown up and rocketed and boarded anymore. It's a good day. I'll study for 10 hours. I don't care. Seems like in a way you guys could have really learned from each other. You know, they could learn and temper and balance their own, uh, you know, really wonderful life where they don't have crap to complain about. And at the same time, you could learn from them, you know, all the knowledge and all the things that they'd been studying, whether it's even, you know, through a family type scenario, uh, growing up on a farm, growing up, uh, you know, the son or daughter of a, uh, you know, of a dairy titan. Um, You could learn all the words and all the phrases and all the back knowledge that you were lacking. So um, kind of a cool exchange there. And, And if I can say that's one of the nicer stories I've heard about transition, about how, you know, you guys, about how you could take away from that experience. I really lucked out. Let's go from school to your graduation and then your entrance into the agriculture industry. Um, what did that look like? First of all, what, what degree did you get? And then, and then where did you go? Where was your first step down the road? Sure. I have a degree in agricultural business from SUNY Cobalt Skill in upstate New York. Um, it's a great program. It's a great university. Uh, it's very hands-on, and it really gave me a lot of the tools I need to hit the ground running when I joined the greenhouse and agriculture industry. Um, my degree was heavily steeped in plant science and hydroponics and greenhouse management, but also ag economics and ag business courses that were very, very helpful uh, in cultivating I guess the greenhouse grower I am today. So it was very difficult being, uh, going from a contractor, Hey, even a soldier overseas, the money is pretty good to going to college and graduating and getting a degree to make less. (laughs) It was a paradigm shift. Um, because I got my job, in Northern Jersey as a flower grower for a large commercial greenhouse up there as an intern. I had to to start from the bottom up and I wasn't making a lot of money. I was renting a room. Uh, I remember when I I went down there for the internship, I didn't even have a place to stay. I lived out of my car for five days behind a church and thank God it rained one of those five days because it was super hot and miserable outside. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Former, I mean, the CEO for once living in his car. That That's an amazing side story right there, but go on. That's awesome. Yeah. And um, I, I did that for two years, maybe two and a half years. It's hard to remember. Seems like one long day. Um, it was interesting because you still have the same components as what I'm doing now as far as the greenhouse goes. But I didn't have that same excitement level with floriculture that I did with hydroponics and vegetable production. It didn't feel as meaningful. Uh, And when I joined Bright Farms, I'm growing produce for as many people as I can. And, you know, those people essentially are inviting me where into their house every night for a meal. Whereas with floriculture, maybe I'd make it as far as the front porch with a chrysanthemum. <laughs> um, so, so breaking through that threshold onto the kitchen table was very gratifying for me. Well, you know, in floriculture's defense, can I just say you were helping some guys out there uh, really 
maximize their opportunity with a special young lady or, you know, to help a romantic endeavor in some ways. So uh, all was not lost in that mission. I, I, I gave many a flower hoping that, you know, someone would take a liking to me. And Kayla's laughing. Oh, I'm glad I could be helpful. <laughs> Uh, Bright Farms then uh, you take up with Bright Farms and yeah uh, growing growing produce is something that I was kind of amazed is a thing and I don't know Kayla you and I were both talking you know we've both had your mixed salads we've both had uh, a couple products because uh, you're in grocery stores near where we live but I was wondering is this a new business category in America the hydroponic the indoor grow because I always assumed that when it got cold in North America, then our vegetables just came from somewhere further south, Mexico, and then on to Central America, and eventually, you know, in the heat, in the coldest months of the year, we're eating salads grown in Argentina. And that's just how it worked. Right. It, it is certainly booming uh, in America right now. The greenhouse industry is flourishing. I read uh, trade publications every day about um, new companies popping up and throwing up five 10-acre ranges. Um, you are correct that the majority of our produce in the off-seasons has a lot of food miles associated with it. It gets trucked very far. And if you ever listen to our CEO's TED Talk, uh, Paul Lightfoot, he talks about how we become very efficient at transporting produce and less efficient at growing healthier, more nutritious produce. Mm. And it's the latter of those two things that really interests me. And the way to go about doing it is probably what's most interesting. Controlling the environment and optimizing the environment that the plant grows in to try to boost its nutrition and boost the amount that you can grow and, and the mouths that you can feed uh, is super noble it's super fun, uh, and it's super challenging. And that's my job. Every day I wake up, I go to work, I ask myself two questions. How do I optimize processes, and how do I optimize conditions for the plants? So I know you kind of said a little earlier, starting from floriculture and then being able to, to be kind of, you know, in a way in, you know, someone's home on the dinner table. I was telling Phil earlier, I literally um, was on the website and I was like, wow, I made a, a salad with Bright Farms lettuce just the other day. Um, so I think that's an interesting way that, you know, as a veteran, you're sort of giving back to, to, a, to a community. Um, is that kind of a way that you might think of it? A hundred percent. That is the way I think of it. Now, what kind of, um, let's talk a little bit about the veterans program here that, that uh, you've got going. Um, it is, describe for me what opportunities exist for veterans now. So within the company itself, um, we felt that, well, it, it kind of came to fruition organically. Uh, no pun intended. Uh, we, we found that a lot of our employees that we were hiring were prior service. Um, my boss, I remember the day I interviewed for Bright Farms, my, my last, my third interview uh, felt more like an interrogation than an interview. And I, I went and looked up my boss's LinkedIn and I saw you as former special operations. I said, wow, that makes sense. Um, 
my GM in uh, Virginia. He is prior service. He was in the Navy. We have guys from the Army out in Chicago. The GM out there is is from, uh, I believe he was an officer in the Army. Uh, my current apprentice is in the Air Force, or was in the Air Force. Um, so after figuring out, you know, a lot of veterans are getting into agriculture, it just made sense to strongly encourage them to choose Bright Farms because at the end of the day, I mean, no matter what you're looking for, there's a lot of corollaries between serving in the military and working for a greenhouse startup. It is super rigorous and very demanding and very high-paced. There's always something going on. The plants don't take a day off. They don't care if it's Thanksgiving. They don't have holidays. You're responsible for uh, high-dollar values of, of produce and growing it responsibly all of the time. So contrast that against the military, and it feels the same, you know. When you're going, you're going a 1,000 miles per hour, uh, and there's always something else that can be done. Another great thing about the program, too, is like me, I was an intern, and I didn't make much money when I first started out because these programs really weren't available to me, and I didn't know that it was a new budding uh, facet of employment within the United States, hiring veterans. Um, we offer full-time, fully benefited uh, employment. And you can work alongside experienced growers and really learn from the ground up about all aspects of greenhouse uh, growing, greenhouse development uh, and building, research, variety trials, anything you can think of is something we'd like to cover in this apprenticeship program. So kind of for you, for the, the veterans that are going to be able to, are coming through this program, are working there now, um, what are you hoping that they gain um, at, the, at the end of the program? I think it's super interesting kind of how we were talking about before. We never thought as, of agriculture as really um, an area of expertise or an interest that veterans would be interested in. But like you said, it's, it's clearly growing in numbers. So kind of what are you thinking or hoping the goals for these veterans, once they get out of the program, what will they be able, what will they be able to accomplish? Sure. Currently, there's a large shortage of head growers in the United States, which is funny because the industry is booming. Um, if you look up the average age of a typical farmer through the uh, USDA, I'm sure it's in the high 60s to low 70s. Um, my goal for them is to help them find meaningful work that they enjoy, where they wake up every day and they love what they're doing. Mm -hmm. um, I want them to gain the necessary knowledge of the greenhouse industry in general and growing so they can further themselves in their personal development as individuals and head growers and leaders of their community. Um, and at the end of the day, I want them to have found a, a family so to speak, that they can grow with, a company they, they can grow with. Because I find a lot of the 
jobs nowadays are very fluid. And you don't find too many people that hung their hat at GE for 45 years and retired from there. People seem to be jumping from job to job. And I, it makes me wonder why that is. Uh, I did it myself for a while until I found Bright Farms. And I can honestly say it's a company that I plan on sticking with for the long term. And I want that for other veterans, too. Very cool. I, I can say that when I transitioned out, I took the military skill I had, which was broadcasting and journalism and, you know, went into rock radio in America. Uh, and since the nineties nice. to today, the market has shifted and there's a lot less radio stations and certainly a lot less DJs than there were back in the day. And I ended up jumping from job to job. So if you can find a company, like I think you're saying Bright Farms is, uh, that is, fa you know, family style and is on a growth trajectory, um, all the better to intern with someone like that and learn some skills because you're right. There's so few people that did their 50 years at the company anymore. And um, it looks like you guys are slated for some big, big growth. Um, I see you already supply grocery stores in the Philly area with your Bucks County, Pennsylvania facility. Culpeper County, Virginia allows you guys to get uh, food inserted into grocery markets like Washington, D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. And uh, the Rochelle, Illinois plant appears to be growing for uh, the Chicago market, which in and of itself is just massive. So do you guys have plans to grow other parts of the country over the next couple of years? We do. Uh, and it's a very aggressive plan, uh, which is why we're trying to build this bench of ag staff uh, currently and kind of bring them up as, as we bring ourselves up in the industry. We're looking in the next five years to build 15 to 20 greenhouses in different states. So I think that the program itself will lend nice. If, if you don't want to live near Chicago, wait a year, because the chances are we're going to be building elsewhere. Hmm. Um, and there's always going to be new opportunity and career paths you can follow within the company that is scaling that rapidly uh, and that's large. Very nice. And also just plain nice to know that my salads, my cherry tomatoes, my bell peppers might soon one day be grown for the most part domestically and not overseas and, and, and sprayed with the preservative chemicals it takes to get them transported from South America to America. We may have Merkin lettuce at every dinner table. And grown by a veteran. <laughs> that's right. Grew by by a veteran, um, and that's hopefully the goal. Um, there's no reason why we can't do it ourselves in the United States, especially with the methods that we employ hydroponically. I mean, we don't use soil. We use 80% less water than traditional ag, 90% less land, 95% less shipping fuel. Um, it's a no-brainer. I guess the only thing we're going to have to change is how we write country music because it's always about like a dirt road and the John Deere green the and I got my first kiss up there in the field. I mean, we're going to have to learn how to write. You're going to have to pen some new hydroponic oriented country music. But, uh, until then, you'll be looking for veterans. Where do we find the website? www.brightforms.com. Um, and if you're interested in applying for the apprentice grower program, Send us an email to info at brightfarms.com with the subject line Apprentice Grower Program and introduce yourself to us. Very cool. Very cool. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. I, I look forward to a brighter future for you, no pun intended, but uh, it sounds like great things are happening. And thanks for making opportunities for veterans. 
It's been my pleasure. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.